I don't think there's anything in this world more valuable than uh, uh, meeting a new human being and conversing and exchanging knowledge and ex uh, life experience. I think there is nothing on this planet that is more valuable. Yeah, it's I not agree. Money. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's the other human is 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 uh, and the reflection because I see when you start looking at other people are a reflection of you. Uh, if you hate him or, or like him, it doesn't matter. And that's a wonderful, uh, you learn a lot. And now here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Hey, everybody, guys and ladies, thank you for coming back to Podcasting Your Global Career. Really delighted with my guest today, but before I get into my guest today, I would like to just inspire you guys to please share this episode. I know there's someone out there who will find this content really, really valuable. And also, you're helping this show immensely uh, by sharing it with somebody you know. We are out in California today, and my guest is Michael Magruch. Oh, I am excited about this interview. This man is so challenged and so creative. He has dyslexia, and he has dyscraphia, which is a hand-eye coordination challenge, but that does not stop Michael from doing the things that he wants to do. We also get into a great discussion on this broadcast about the value of human interaction through artistry. So without any further ado, let's strap up our seatbelts. We're taking a ride to California today from the Music City to hang out with Michael McGrooch. Michael McGrooch, my guest today on Podcasting Your Global Career. Welcome, Michael, to the show. Thank you, James, for having me. You, um, I saw your your bio is really cool. The fact that you, um, you know, you co-produced some things with Robert Evans, who, um, for those those of you folks mm -hmm. who don't know, he was involved heavily in the Godfather productions, um, and uh, you were also a city arts commissioner uh, for Newport New, yeah. Newport Beach, California. Is that right? Yes. Yes, you've got a creative, yes. and creative I have no blood. education. I have a creative mind. And art was my education because I am extreme neurodiverse and uh, dysgraphic. So uh, I have dysgraphia, and it's uh, uh, I basically had to learn everything myself. I am completely self-taught. So can you explain dysgraphia to us for those of us who don't know what that is? So when you when you uh, when you write something five years ago, you James, if you write something five years ago and it's legible, I can read it. If I write something an hour ago, I lose the context. I, my brain cannot decipher the context. I mean, I can read a word if I write a word in caps. Obviously, I can read that. Right. But if I write something in context, that I lose the context of it. I cannot recall the context. Wow. So this, you know, how did you overcome this situation and be end up being such a creative? Uh, I was forced to be creative. I wasn't, 
I mean, this was my uh, uh, savia, and and it's literally creativity was my uh, that made me feel like so many adolescents made me feel, you know, you belong in some way in the humanity. Um, and then further on, I was just uh, I just could do creative jobs. I couldn't do anything that where I need to be systematic systemic you know where i you know had knowledge of accounting or because i couldn't read i couldn't i i you know uh i couldn't read i couldn't uh uh regurgitate things so um and i had to learn to be in the moment and 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 create in the moment or if i would have prepared for this podcast it would be devastating it would be completely stuttering and everything. So I have to be always in the moment and handle whatever is, whatever, you know, you give me. And, uh, and I had to learn that obviously it took me 50 years to run against the wall. Well, fortunately, I never allow anybody to prepare for one of my podcasts, including myself. <laughs> yeah. It's more yeah. fun to figure it out, you know, on the way there. Uh, I, I have your notes and that's all yeah. I need because, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that you have such an interesting and creative and amazing career, um, regardless of having this challenge in your life. I mean, it's really, it's really quite astonishing. Mm -hmm. So a couple things I want to get to. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, if you're okay, Michael, about the co-producing with Robert Evans um, and what was your... Uh, what was your finest moments with him? And could you tell us a, you know, a couple of stories about some of the things you guys did together? Mm -hmm. So I was in uh, television uh, documentaries and uh, before the film festival, there is uh, basically sales fairs and they're called MIPCOM or MIP. And at one of those sales fairs, I was just this, a salesman, a television program salesman, you know, that did uh, productions, that did uh, documentaries. For some reason, and this is what I tell everybody that is in the creative field, you are out of control. You're never in control and there's nothing planned that actually works or doesn't work. So what makes me successful might not make you successful. And it's and there's a lot of luck and a lot of things that fall into place. So somebody came to me, his uh, associate producer came to me, and I had no idea who Robert Evans was. I'm from Vienna. I was born in Vienna, and um, I just tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Are you Michael McGrutchen?" Obviously, I was. I had a name tag. <laughs> I showed him and said, "Yes, I am." And he says, uh, "Mr. Evans, next time you are in LA." because I was going back and forth from LA because of documentaries. I was going back and forth from LA to, to Vienna and back. And in the middle, we did these sales shows, you know, uh, to sell our programs. And he said, yeah. And I said, yes. And he said, no, next time. So I had to ask around and said, you know, who is this? You know, they said, are you crazy? He's the longest president of Paramount. He has love stories. He Rosemary's baby. He did this. I said, somebody's doing a joke on me. You know, <laughs> I was absolutely nobody. Nobody. I'm still nobody, but it's like I'm I have 
nothing to relate to or or now i have i can say i worked with him i co-produced with him but then i i didn't have anything i was just a lost uh lost soul that that you know tried to to make ends meet and and and, and to to do what i could do so i was educated on the spot obviously by all my american friends that were at the at in in the Palais de Festival in Cannes, and they did. and then when I came here, I wasn't even thinking about it. I had this card, but then um, I settled back in. I had to take all, care of all the, the business that I, you know, that I accomplished in uh, overseas, and I I took his card and saw it and called him and I said okay, and his butler picked up and said, "This is Robert Evans' uh, resonance," uh, and I said. Uh, uh, you know, I somebody gave me your card. Oh, it's Master Mark Magrooch. They knew who I was, and there was no proof why they should know that. So he must have looked at my work or something. And the, and it's still now. It's still not an, uh, uh, clear why he did that. And uh, and then he he said, "Yeah, come over." You know, it, he said. Hello, is Alvin Evans. Come over, and I came over, and and then a, a beautiful friendship uh, evolved from that, and and it was really a friendship because I invested in a documentary. I also helped him, you know, find an investor in in uh, uh, another friend of mine uh, that took part in this documentary, and actually, I've never heard this he paid back the money because ktla didn't want to create that uh didn't want to show that documentary for some reason so you were you were and, in, in vienna you were in vienna creating documentaries originally and then you you somehow got connected to hollywood you kept coming back and forth is yeah, that, is, yeah. And, and that's how you but i wasn't i wasn't calling i was america because i you know we worked with the company uh I had the uh, I I was a part of a company here for UF uh, UHF stations, and then um, uh, I did projects. You know, I for example, I uh, I had a magician, and I brought him to the television uh, station in Vienna to participate in. in so, uh, literally, not a professional. I was just doing little jobs. Right, and. Uh, and, and 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 so we. So let me stop you for a second. Let, let me ask you, what possessed you to originally come to California? Like you were working in Vienna, and then was there some reason why you just said was it a project, or you just had the idea that California is really where I where I need to be? Was it something like that? When I was eighteen, I wanted to see. For some reason, in grade school. I knew already I will be in America, but it, not because it's better or whatever. I said, I'm very interested in that culture. I want to experience it. And so when I was 18, I traveled the whole, you know, like, like Americans go to Europe, travel all Europe. Yeah. I traveled the States when I was 18, uh, on a shoestring budget. And then we, uh, I, I said, this is not enough. I, I, you know, I, I think it's interesting, whatever, but it's not what I want to know about America. Yeah. And then I got a job. I got a job. And then I worked here as a butler and uh, house manager, managed the house and, and was, a you know, a 
not a butler per se, but somebody that was serving the, uh, yeah, running the household basically. Yeah, this was in California. And, yeah, California. Yeah. yeah. So and I had a job. It, I had a is... job off in Boston, Boston, I... and and one here, and I hated actually California, <laughs> and I wasn't aware that that Southern California was actually Los Angeles. I thought it was South LA where I worked, and I hated LA. Uh, from my impression, you know, that, that I had when I traveled. Why, you didn't so like liked, the smog? No, no. I, <laughs> I, I like I liked uh, the East Coast much better. Yeah. So I like New York, uh, Boston, Philadelphia. I like way more than, yeah. than California. I hear you. Okay. Okay. I see. I see. Yeah. Because but... I could relate to it. I couldn't relate to, because the, the LA that I saw in films wasn't the LA when I came here and, and you know, uh, 40 years ago. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, I know I know what you're saying. I mean, I've worked in California. I've worked in studios yeah. Yeah. in L.A. and it was never my jam. You know, I just never felt like like what you're saying. New York City, I get because I I grew up yeah. near here, uh, near New York City. And, and I've, I've been uh -huh. there like my whole life off and on. Uh -huh. um, but there's just certain it's a certain resonance, I think, you uh -huh. know, that we we adapt to or we find compatible with what's inside of us, I think that we're where uh -huh. we're comfortable. You know, um, uh -huh. I felt the same way about Nashville. I work down there, but I'm not comfortable living in Nashville. But I love working there, like because I'm in the throes of creativity. But uh -huh. I, I'd rather be in the woods, in the forests, or or you uh -huh. know, or if it's a city, probably New York is a is a fave. So so you uh -huh. you establish this relationship. Um, with Robert Evans, and then did you work with him like when he was working on the Godfather projects? Mm -hmm. is, is it? No, no okay. that was all afterwards. That was, that was already afterwards. Okay. He was not anymore the 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 president of Paramount. He had a, I mean, till his death, he had a the Lubitsch Studio. Uh, uh, he had has a, had a studio in. He had his uh, office at the Paramount lot. Right, and. Um, I, and I think he never had uh, was off the lot. He always had a at an office there because he was the longest, and they just gave him the respect the, that he was the longest uh, and one of the most successful uh, heads of of the studio. Yeah. So you, and, what were you doing with him? Did um, did he so embrace your creativity and he realized the value yeah. you brought? Um, what did you guys work on, or you know, can you give us a you know an idea what was going on with that? This is so funny. This is so funny. It's just we resonated with each other for some reason. We we really, um, uh, I mean, literally, he said after working f with him for a week, and I had to go drive up. I was at Newport, and I had to drive up uh, uh, to him uh, for work, and he said. And he offered me after little, literally a week to move into his house uh, because he had a thing for his from his son. And I had my girlfriend down here and all this stuff. But he said, you know, uh, you can still be down on the weekend and just stay here and um, uh, during the week. I mean, literally, we it just clicked. You know, it's just this. And I'm, uh, I don't know. It, it wasn't, there was no... And I, this is why I like it so much because it, uh, you know, it was a relationship that wasn't on what, what can you get me, what can I get from you, right? But it's just saying, hey, I want to work with the experience, like you know that from from art, it's about the experience to have with one, 
it's not about the money. The experience is the most, and and no. he was a true. Yeah, the money. Yeah. The money is not always. The, I, I don't think it. I think it's the least important thing when it comes to being yeah. creative. It's like yeah. you gotta feel like you really get this person and you like and respect this person both on both yeah. sides, yeah. and and then anything is possible after that. After you have that, you know. Mm -hmm. So and that's exactly what it was. Yeah, you you, you hit it on a yeah. That's exactly. So then you, from, from there, you ended up being, how'd you, how'd you get to be the city arts commissioner? I think that's so cool, uh, of Newport uh, Beach. So what I did is what I was um, very much involved. They created a sculpture garden. And previously, before, uh, in the planning phases, I was very involved in the arts uh, with the city, I said, you know, if you do this, this we have to do this, and it was all. The, and I just visited the council meetings about the sculpture garden and about arts in the Newport Beach, about an art master plan of Newport Beach, and I was always a part of it because I was so interested in how I wanted to know everything about art, uh, and that was always because it saved my life. And it was the only where I flourished. I didn't flourish in being an accountant. I, right. I flourished because of because of that. And obviously, always had something in hospitality because that's what we all have. We ha we have to do a, a restaurant job to can afford art. And um, and I was at all these meetings, and the councilman had saw my involvement. Uh, and I spoke up and I said, this makes sense. This doesn't make sense. And one day, uh, the uh, Tim Hedderton, the, uh, the the head of the, the, you know, the of the library, which is responsible for uh, the Arts Commission. And he said to me, why don't you run for me? Your stuff is so good. What you always, uh, you know, uh, bring in and, and 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 help us and he said just uh fill out this form and i filled out the form and i kept doing what i did i wasn't like filling out the form and waiting right and and uh and i didn't get it the first the election i didn't get it and the second election i didn't get it and i wasn't and they they asked me after the second election, do you still want in i said keep it in i'm you know i'm working with you anyway doesn't matter and yeah. uh all of a sudden i got a phone call I wasn't even thinking about it. I got, and this is what I want to tell people that I want to convey that, you know, like I was in Cannes, it just happened. So I got a phone call and I said, you know, Michael, you got, and a mentor of mine uh, called me and said, you know, that you just got elected arts commissioner with six of seven votes. Wow. And I said, what is this? You're rarely, rarely, you know, and the seventh person didn't know me. You wore Everybody them down. Did. You wore them down. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Not no, only no, but that, it was but not consciously. Yeah, it but I think was like, I think they finally they had a chance to see what you were doing, and more people got exposed to you and said, "Oh, yeah. what are we doing? We get, we got the person right under our feet here. We yeah. didn't even know it, you know, amongst yeah. us." <laughs> yeah, it's always humans that help you. It's never it's never a system or anything. It's because th these people were you know they 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 were uh 
acquaintances then. They weren't friends or anything, but acquaintances. And I worked with them and they said, yeah, he's good. You know, and, and, and I did my citizen, you know, I was a citizen of that city and I did my job, my contribution that I could. I wasn't talking about plumbing in the city. I wasn't talking about you know, uh, police work in the city, but I could talk about art yeah. and I was contributing to what I, what I know. <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> and that's, that's how that happened. And, and when, then I, when did you decide that you had, you had an author in your spirit? Cause you're the author of five books. Um, yeah. so when did that occur to you? I should be writing. I can start putting out dyslexia. The dyslexia made me, uh, I found when I dive into a topic and and when something really disturbs me. So my first book was the screenplay that I, while I was with Robert, uh, created uh, because I he had me read a lot of scripts, go through a lot of projects and discuss them. I mean, it was really a very harmonious relationship. I read the scripts and then we discussed them. <clears throat> I said, and 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 I was in that process, and I said, I can do something similar, and I knocked out that script, and uh, and then he couldn't, he didn't, he wasn't interested because he had other projects, <clears throat> but I thought it was so good, but it's very that's another funny thing, I wasn't intent to sell that script at that time. I I wrote the script, I rewrote the script. I wrote other scripts and then I came back to this script again. And then I said, you know what? I, I think that's such a good story. I need to just release it as a book on Amazon. Yeah. And and one day, and we kept in contact, uh, Robert and I, uh, for some reason. And when we talked, he said, I said, you know, you know, I he was say, thinking for scripts or something. And I said, you know, I have my script. You read it and you liked it. But at that time, you didn't need it. He said, send it again. And I sent it again. <clears throat> and that that was just before he passed. <clears throat> and he uh, he said, I, I, I like it. I love it. So this is the second time he read it, though, right? So, yeah. so yeah. that that tells me that it was good the first time, but this guy is yeah. so busy that he probably yeah. how many scripts he gets I can't even yeah. imagine, you know. Yeah. So I want to ask you a couple of things. First of all, when you're reading all these scripts, how do you navigate the challenges of both dyslexia and dysgraphia at the same time, and you're able to interpret everything, read all that, and then start writing your own things? Um, is this like it's got to be an overwhelming challenge, or have you just navigated? It was overwhelming. Yeah, I it mean... was. It was. It was overwhelming because, but scripts are easier to read. There's more space on a script when you read dialogue. It's not like a, a book, right? It's very hard. It's it's basically how humans read, and it's great that question because I never thought about it. I just tell you the story, but I never thought about why. Because here I'm dyslexic and dysgraphia, and I have such a hard time, but human dialogue i can read so i have no problems with humans i have problems when when i have to communicate through a system through uh writing through uh language or something that's where i had the problem but when i read dialogue that was 
actually very easy for me to read. So let me ask you this. So if I'm understanding you right, Michael, that when scripts are written, and I went to a television production school in New York City, so I'm familiar with the scripts that they would hand out uh, when we were doing mock TV shows with all the equipment, and there's very little writing on each page because it's like, all right, John says, and then there's two lines, and then there's a huge white gap, and then... Rachel replies, you know, so that's more easy for you to digest because it takes you time to navigate the the word structure, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and also because it was humanly, it's a dialogue. It wasn't like a nonfiction uh, explanation or a fiction explanation where you say, you know, in the dark woods, uh, you know, the sun went down or whatever. That that was not in there. It was just say he said, she said, you know, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that is very e- it was way easier for me to comprehend. And and then uh, we did. He asked me to uh, it was almost in pre-production. The uh, I was there all the time at in, in Paramount and we created and then he passed, you know, he yeah. got sicker and sicker and he passed. But <clears throat> but I was it wasn't about creating, you know, realizing the movie because the movie was realized on the pages. It was the the wonder of how things happen to me, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm not like frustrated that I never actually produced a movie because who knows, it could have been the worst movie ever. And but but I'm happy how it goes. And that doesn't mean, you know, my book is on Amazon. It doesn't mean that it will never be produced, you know. It it just it just it just has to fit. Right. But I, I wanted to tell creative people that listen to you that it is about milking every moment that you have in creation. Yeah. And it's not about the outcome. When you ask, I know so many people that have Oscars, Grammys, uh, gold medals of Olympics, they get that. And the whole focus and the whole goal. And that's why I wrote to you, I don't have goals. I yeah. milk the moment, you know? Right. It doesn't work for me because you work for this. And you only have that in mind and you miss all this stuff like you and I talking right now. I'm milking that moment. Right. Uh, and you miss all that stuff because because you're thinking about, I got to get viewers. I got to get listeners. I got to get all these this system goals. And and we are human beings and not human doings, you know? Yeah. To, to, that's, and, and, and that's what, uh, that's why I'm happy with whatever it is. Because well, you've, I, you've mastered, I enjoy it. yeah, you've you've mastered the science of living in the moment, and you're, it's so right because everyone thinks there's this destination you're gonna get to, and then everything yeah. will be taken care of, and then everything I won't have any more anxiety or any more angst because yeah. I'll get to that place. And you're right, it never happens. It never yeah. happens. The only thing I think you can do is. Um, um, go for goals that you want but once you get a goal that's just growth and then you yeah. you make an you create a new goal after that um but uh, but yeah. you're but you hit it on the on the head when you said it's living in the moment because that's the beauty i don't care if you're writing a script or making a movie making a record um it's the creation of it and being in that flow that is the joy you know it's just, uh, and a lot of people miss miss out on that. They're always trying to attain and attain and attain. And 
it's just the old hamster wheel, right? You never get there. Yep. <laughs> hey, let's talk a little bit about your podcast, um, <laughs> The Smart of Out, or is it The Smart out. of Art or The Power of Art? Excuse me. Smart of Art. So, <laughs> so this is a really, really interesting thing because Michael has created the 30-second podcast. It's like I've never heard such a thing. That's that's awesome. I'm sorry. I've just got, got a work cold. That's okay. Uh, um, yeah, I did. Um, I I because of my dyslexia, I cannot do editing. Um, and 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 to make it work, and I cannot prepare for a, a podcast. So I couldn't read your notes and then ask you. It is too intricate that process for me, yeah. and um, it's too systemic the process. So, right. it, what I was thinking is, uh, <clears throat> I take uh, quotes of my books, uh, and um, this is also a way of how I work. I have things that I think, and I dictate it into a voice recorder, and then I transcribe it on the computer. And uh, and I find out of this, and then I clean it up, you know, and and it becomes a quote. And I like that because the condensation and the creative process of condensing, uh, you know, expanding first the thought and then condensing and um, honing that thought <clears throat> that it vibrates the right way for me. And I thought, artists don't want to write. And I know from my books, the people love talking to me, but they not want to read my books. Uh, you know, that, that is in general artists, you know? But then some artists come and say, this is a great book, but basically it is <clears throat> artists. And that's why I say, get the Kindle book for three bucks and have it read to you while you're doing your music or while you're painting. Yeah. Um, and. And I thought that for a quote, everybody has the time. And then I add also a question about this quote for you to answer as a creative, because I, I found this combination is really helpful. And it's like a mentoring from somebody that, because we have no mentoring anymore in that artist, you know, art, art was always about mentoring, about the, the master is telling the student and then the student becomes the master. It's, right. it's always it, it, it in especially creativity that was important, and I like to see it, uh, see it a lot. I like to see it, uh, you know, thoughts, uh, creative about creativity, and so on, and so on, and so on. And uh, I found that people respond better to a quote than when I let's say have a podcast. And then ask him to, to listen to this because nobody has time. As you know, we, we do unbelievable podcasts, which is important, but very few people have the time to listen to them, you know? Right. The runners, it, the, runners cool. the joggers. Um, yeah. I find that the best time for me is long car trips. Um, yeah. I, I binge out on podcasts then because it's like yeah. I, I want to uh, learn something or be entertained, you know, while I'm driving long distance. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got it up here, the Smart of Art podcast. So, folks, you can check that out and listen to what Michael uh, puts in there, uh, quotes and interesting things. Hey, guys, we're getting near the end. I want to ask you, what's the best part of your day, Michael? What, what do you enjoy thoroughly more than anything else uh, in your life? It doesn't have to be work, but, but what do you really love to do? Um, I, I, I love to be, to observe. I love to observe. I, I, I love to, um, to, to be in a moment. So for example, you know, meeting another human like you, for example, this is what I love. It's, it's the unknown. It is the exploration. It's the risk to meet another human being. And then, um, converse with that with that, that that's interesting learn. that you said the risk that's very cool because there is a risk i mean it's i'm risking my personality and my time and people people have such value on their time but uh, i never looked at it that way but uh it's a really cool way to put it the risk <laughs> the ri- in this in this world where you can where you're only typing to each other and that's very safe is to to expose yourself to another human becomes a risk shouldn't be a risk but it is you know it's it's a it's it's a risk and uh i must tell you i i've never had anybody that i couldn't converse you can have a total different opinion that total different belief but we have all our senses to to be with each other you know and to exchange and we don't have to be best friends or whatever it just it's just a wonderful experience to be with another human being i mean it's, it's the most valuable i don't think there's anything in this world more valuable than uh, uh meeting a new human being and conversing and exchanging knowledge and ex- uh, life experience i think there is nothing on this planet that is more valuable yeah it's i not agree money. it's not it's not uh it's the other human is 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 uh and the reflection because i see when you start looking at other people are a reflection of you, uh, if you hate them or, or like them, it doesn't matter. And that's a wonderful, uh, you learn a lot. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. I think you're right. And, and doing it through um, a medium such as art is a fabulous way to do it because, you know, anybody I ever recorded with or played on stage with, I still have that connection through music with them. And also the podcast has brought um, so many friendships. You know, you can pick up with somebody eight years ago. I did a podcast with somebody you can pick up right again, you know, and uh, and continue on the foundation that we built in that first hour, you know, which um, I'm hopeful that you and I can do the same thing. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, absolutely. is absolutely. And art always brings you back to the human uh, blueprint of what is possible. Nothing, no job, nothing gets you to the blueprint of what is possible than creating art. Yeah. There's nothing. And there's, that's why I say the creation process of art is a godly process. It's, 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 you want to be in touch with God and spirituality. Yes. Create. That is the absolutely. And you don't need to go to a religion. You don't need to go go to a, to a course or anything. Just sit with somebody alone and create something. Yeah. And the feedback that you get with that re- creation. And sometimes the ego is in, in, uh, gets in, in there 
then just put the stuff away and look at it three months ago and then look and, and if you want to discard it, you know, for example. Yeah. Uh, I, I painted paintings that I hated. I put them away, pull them out three, uh, three months later and my ego is out of the way because I look at it like I would have looked at your painting. And I said, oh, my God, that is really good. But I couldn't see it in a moment, you know? Yeah. You know, we, we think a lot, a lot alike in some ways. I do that with music. And yeah. also you mentioned about about God being involved. He's involved in everything. And one of the greatest gifts he gave us is what he has, which is the super creative. Right. And, and yeah. there's nothing more. Uh, I always say it's love, family, and and creativity because what a blessing yeah. that is. How could we even function without it? And everyone has it. I don't care if you're you're an accountant, a lawyer, a, yeah. you know, sweeping the floor yeah. somewhere. We all have that gene of creativity inside of us, you know. Um, as yeah. we're wrapping up, I want to give you the last word, Michael. Um, anything you want to say to the people following us out there and listening to this broadcast? Any kind of um, wisdom you would like to uh, uh, put on somebody, any challenges, anything at all you would like to say as we part ways? Awareness trumps all because I'm, an, uh, I'm a creativity awareness educator. Awareness trumps all uh, because there, there are no steps. Because once you're aware of something, like you burn yourself on a stove, you fall in love. It doesn't matter how many books you read about love. If you don't know how, how what it is to fall in love, uh, you know, what, what the feeling of love is, it doesn't help you to read anything. All knowledge doesn't help you. Uh, you can tell your child a million times that you shouldn't touch the stove. The moment it touches the stove, it never needs to read a book, uh, what, uh, you know, uh, fix steps or, or it will know for the rest of its life a heat can burn you and uh we have six senses all humans have those and use them use them use them for awareness and then that's how you navigate i have no education uh, i learned everything from creation amen michael this was yeah. awesome i i want to thank you so much for uh taking time out to be on podcasting your global career it was a pleasure to meet you and uh, I want to ask God's blessings on all you do, all of your career, all of your creativ mm -hmm. creativity, Vienna and your family. And it was a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for giving me a canvas. Hey, everybody. Thanks once again for being here on Podcasting Your Global Career. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please check out the show notes to support the people we put on this show. Also, if you're digging the show, forward it to a friend. And you can also subscribe to us in the Apple Podcasts. We would appreciate it. I'm your host, James Kevin O'Connor. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. Ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me? Ride on, ride on, we can untangle all the mystery. If wishes were windows, I'd open one and find That freedom is really a simple state of mind So ride on, ride on, baby, won't you 
Take a ride with me. 